With this Sunday, we are doing our live stream worship service from inside our sanctuary with in-person worshipers. It is great to be back inside the sanctuary. As much as we know that God is everywhere, there is something special about this place for us. So this is sweet. Welcome all. If you are interested in joining us in person for worship, remember that there are health safety protocols that we are asking that you follow that are in place as we gather here, and pre-registration is required. So contact the church office or visit our website and discover the necessary procedures. We look forward to having you with us for worship in person or over the internet. Blessings on you all this day. Enrollment in our workshop, having difficult conversations in a grace-filled way, is drawing to a close with classes starting this Wednesday evening. So there is still a brief period of time for you to sign up if you are interested in developing your communication skills, even over challenging topics. So do not delay any longer if you wish to be a part of it and call the church office and check out or check out our website for how to enroll in that class. Since we are back inside, we will be having flowers uh, decorate the, the altar uh, during our worship service. If you want to be a sponsor of those flowers, call the church office. They will cost you $60 a Sunday. You will have the option then of uh, showing up to take them home, whether you're here in person or coming on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday to the church office to uh, capture those flowers for yourself. All right then, let us center ourselves as we prepare for worship. focusing our worship these spring months on Jesus's parables of the kingdom, this now and not yet reality of God's sovereignty was a, a primary focus of Jesus's teachings. You are invited to join with us in searching these parables for wisdom in our understanding of God as well as wisdom for our living of our lives through faith. So let us pray. Holy God, be with us in this time of worship that we might open our hearts and minds to your holy word, that being nurtured and inspired by it, we would be led into truer discipleship and greater faithfulness. We pray this in your son's name and for your purposes. Amen.
morning, children. As you are worshiping at home this morning, I want to make sure that you're close to your screens, whether it's a TV, a computer monitor, a phone, or a tablet, so that we can be as close as we can to talking one-on-one -on -one with each other. I want to say how much you are loved and how much you are valued, and I can't wait until we have you back in worship as well. This day, we are talking about in our Celebrate Wonder curriculum, a time when the 12 disciples were working to, to grow the church, and they were at a point where they had more things to do than they could handle on their own. And it was causing fighting amongst the people and the followers of Jesus because of the fact that they were feeling like things were being forgotten and left out. We've never felt that way, right? The congregation's laughing at me, so I think they know what I'm talking about. Maybe you guys do too. Maybe when you have so many sports going on in your life and it's your sibling that has the sport, you feel like you've been forgotten. Or maybe it's a time where you just feel like everything is so busy that you don't know where you fit in. The disciples ha or had, an, had an opportunity they had a chance to either continue doing it the way that they were doing it before and saying, well, this is the way that it's always worked, so it's going to continue to work this way now. Or they could listen to the people that were talking to them saying, you need help. And so the disciples said to the people, go find seven people who will do these other ministries that you feel like we're not doing to the best of our abilities right now. And they elected seven people to step forward and to take care of the food ministry and the ministry to the older members of their congregation. That, those are just examples from the Bible. But we can think of other ministries in our lives where we could probably use some help. The message for us, whether we're kids or adults, is that we are encouraged to not think that we have to do everything by ourselves. So if we're struggling with homework, we say, hey, mom, hey, dad, can you help me with this? If we're trying to figure out how to ride our bike, we look up to that person who's a little bit older than us who knows how to do it and say, can you teach me the tricks of how to make this work? We all have the opportunity to say, I need help. Let's work on this together. And that's a great gift that the disciples acted as role models for us to live into how we are a church community together. Will you join me in a moment of prayer as we talk to God? Dear God, thank you for today. Thank you for yesterday as well as tomorrow. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for offering us help and reminding us to ask for it. In your name we pray. Amen.
you join me in prayer? Awesome and almighty God, who watches over us at all times, be with us all of these days. We confess that we have allowed a host of worries and frustrations to crowd out your word for us. As you give us peace and your transforming love, also forgive all of those times when we have been less than faithful disciples. Gently visit us again with your healing powers. Restore our hope and courage and joy for all of the times ahead. We take a moment of silence to lift up all that is upon our hearts. God of surprising love, you have called us to be your treasures, to be those who love and serve you by helping meet the needs of others. And Jesus reminded us that we were like mustard seeds that could grow into mighty shelters for those who felt abandoned, that we were like yeast placed in flour, which causes the whole dough to rise and be fruitful for the nourishment of God's people. You place so much hope and trust in us. Please help us not to fail you. We bring before you this day persons and situations which need your healing love. We join in prayers with Kitty and Chris Salto as they experience the joy of new birth and the loss of family this week. We celebrate the birth of their grandson, James Michael Salto, on April 28th weighing in at nine pounds, seven ounces. We give you thanks, O oh Lord. And we join with them as they grieve the passing of Kitty's sister-in-law's sister, Karen, this week. O oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for Kathy Goodspeed and family as they mourn the passing of her son-in-law, Carl Adams, last Friday. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. And we hold in prayer the family and friends of Patrick Connor who passed away this week from ALS. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We lift up prayers for recovery from surgery for Bobby Tiabaldi after she had her knee replaced on Tuesday. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. We join Agnes and Ken Dordity lifting up prayers for their neighbor, Michael, who is having open-heart surgery for valve replacement on Tuesday. Oh, Lord, hear our prayers. We continue to pray for all of our loved ones and all throughout the world who are battling cancer at this moment. Jim Lawson's daughter, Ernie Lauer's daughter, Linda Northrup, Cindy Price, and Kathy Drake, just to name a few. We pray for all of those who are impacted with the coronavirus. As numbers are decreasing around us, we are reminded that we need to stay vigilant as we look at the numbers of places like India. 
and we pray for those that have lost loved ones, but we also pray for the Christians who are being marginalized, isolated, or ignored by their government. Oh Lord, hear our prayers. Lord, help us to be vehicles of the, that word for those dear ones. Give us courage and empower us to serve you boldly and joyfully, for it is in the healing love of Christ that we offer the prayer that he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 33. He put before them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed that someone took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all the seeds, but when it is grown, it is the greatest of shrubs and becomes a tree so that all the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like yeast that a woman took and mixed in with three measures of flour until all of it was leavened. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
We're looking at the parables of the kingdom of God as told by Jesus and recorded in the synoptic gospels. We've stressed how important the notion of the kingdom of God was to Jesus's teachings and, and how in fact as Messiah, Jesus is understood as ushering in God's sovereignty in a special way. As a now for us to experience as we lean into its ways and will through our faith, and as a not yet, as we yearn for its full consummation in the age to come. Now, those who heard Jesus' words 20 centuries ago found themselves, as, as we do today, searching for deeper meaning about the kingdom of God, its now and not yet characteristics, and what that might mean or direction it might offer to how we understand God and how we live our lives. The parables offer opportunities for this deeper learning if we listen well. A biblical commentator wrote in one of the, the great uh, analyses of Scripture these, these simple words, Teaching in parables itself reinforces a fundamental principle of the kingdom. As one act of obedience or one sin leads to another, so openness to the message of the kingdom leads to greater and greater insight, while resistance to its invitation renders one increasingly impervious to its message. Did you follow that? Recently, I watched Ken Burns' PBS special on Ernest Hemingway. I love Hemingway, the author. I am saddened by Hemingway, the person. So much dysfunction and damage and destruction and death. And he was right about death, its ever-presence, its increasing influence in our lives as we age, its inevitability. The journey we take through life, the choices we make as we are given the opportunity for rights and wrongs, and goods and bads, colors our achievements and colors our failures, and how we are presented at our end of times. I pray that that is a moment of tender mercy and grace for all of us. A moment that has been redeemed by the renewing and the healing power of God's love in our lives. Because we have lived our lives immersed 
in grace, striving for right and for good. We all have that opportunity in our lives, regardless of our age or our circumstance. So let's agree to listen and learn, to face into the light of God and be illumined, helping ourselves and those around us to step faithfully forward today in the ways of our Lord towards the kingdom of God. Well, so some background observations about these parables. Two straightforward parables for us today from Scripture, the source being Matthew. Now, we do not know if they were spoken by Jesus one after the other as they are presented in this gospel. Most biblical scholars believe the gospel writers collected Jesus' sayings and presented them as a, as a composite of his thought. So, as we note first off that the leaven parable follows the mustard seed parable, that might or might not be important for us to note. You decide. And what are the chances, I want to ask you, that Jesus' parable here of leaven and mustard seed, these two brief parables, were presented by him as tasty little thought morsels wedged in between the telling of the parable of the weeds and then his explaining of the parable of the weeds. Scholars speculate on, on these matters, you know, as they earn their doctorates and they publish their books. So what do you think? Would he have done that? And would he have done it in that sequence? We know that over the three years of his ministry, Jesus said a lot to many people in varying places for their spiritual benefit, and more likely than not, embellished or simplified his lessons as was needed by those who were listening and the circumstance in which he was talking to make his point and to drive it home. We thank the Jesus Seminar for increasing our confidence in the authority of today's parables to the historic Jesus. Packaging the meaning of these two parables for us, Westerholm writes, the parables of the mustard seed and the leaven give assurances that God will bring to glorious consummation the kingdom of God, even though it's dawn in the ministry of Jesus commanded little attention. And that's a good summary. Yet, I, I think we want to poke around a little bit more in these parables and see if we can 
glean uh, a little bit more wisdom. So our first parable for today, the mustard seed. The key element of this parable is the seed, the sower, the field, well, and the matured plant and the nesting birds in the tree. The smallest of seeds, we're told as it begins, yet we know there are smaller seeds than the mustard seed. It is pretty small, but orchids and uh, some other seeds are, are smaller than a mustard seed. Into the greatest of shrubs, into trees. Well, well, there you go again, Jesus. You know, there are greater trees than the mustard tree. Um, yet you know what? Those kind of details are, are what we storytellers don't like about the critics of stories. Let it be and go with the flow of what's trying to be said here, will you? Is what Jesus probably would have said to the botanist if he had popped up at that time. <laughs> I'm making a point here. Listen to the point, he would have said. And the point is clearly made to those who are thinking. Don't underestimate the outcome of small things. Maybe small gestures, short words, little passages. And more directly to the point, though seen as small at the start, trust the kingdom of God. Trust that it will grow mighty in size. And in addition, recognize like the mustard plant, it will be medicinal. It will have a curative influence to those who are drawn to that, to those who will flock to it, to those who make their home in it, it will help healing, security, and safety. Now, if we were part of the nascent movement, this Jesus movement that is collecting around him, we would hear this parable offering hope. Hope that what we're getting involved in Though it's marginalized and it's seemingly insignificant in the, in the face of the religious and the political power brokers, powerhouses of the day, that it would become something marvelous. Jesus gives us that hope and says, trust in the kingdom of God to grow mighty, to bring healing and to be a home for your soul. Jesus is offering assurance to their hopes, to our hopes. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Our second parable is about the, the leaven. The key elements of this parable are the women, the yeast, the flour, the mixing, the 
three shares or units. What is that that the scripture says? Those are bushels. We're dealing with pounds and pounds and pounds of flour. So Jesus isn't just really talking about what some of you do in the kitchen when you're baking a loaf. He's talking about some larger enterprise with greater outcome. And most of us maybe are not bakers, but, you know, we, we kind of get the simple baking rubric that's involved in this parable, that the, that the mixing of the yeast in the flour leavens the bread. Now, I made some beef stroganoff last night, and as we make beef stroganoff, we put in sour cream into the beef broth that is a part of what's around the beef and the uh, green onions and mushrooms and stuff like that. Nutmegs in there too. But we throw this sour cream in there. I don't know how Debbie got that idea. Maybe that's what everybody does when they make stroganoff. And when you put that sour cream in there, you know how it, for a while, it's, it gets into these little chunks of stuff? And, and you get the feeling like maybe you did something wrong. Or I, I get the feeling that clearly I have done something wrong here because there's these little islands of white floating around. Um, but, you know, if you mix it a little bit more and you mix it a little bit more, and then if you walk away and you do something, you leave it alone, you come back, all of a sudden you realize that that's no longer the case. Those little white islands have dispersed or integrated into that sauce. Where'd they go? It's there somewhere, right? It's in there somewhere. Well, this, this was just a real clear illustration to me of this leaven business because, you know, when you put that leaven in, you can't find it. You can't take it back out. It's in there, right? It mixes in, and that, that's the whole kneading routine, right, is that you're mixing that leaven in there. There was a moment where I could have maybe panicked and said, yes, I did something wrong with this stroganoff. Debbie, I don't know, this not right sour cream. I could have tried to scoop it out, get it out of there. You can't do that with leaven. Once it's in, it's in. It mixes in. It becomes one with the flour to make something else. In fact, the yeast is activating the process and producing this wonderful outcome of the flour for us, that delicious bread that in some parts of the world is the meal for people. Now, if we were part of that nascent Jesus, you know what I mean by that, the beginning Jesus movement, those early followers, if we were part of that group of folk hanging around Jesus and listening to him, we would hear this powerful parable offering encouragement to us giving us a little caution for patience as we move along, that what we are getting involved in with Jesus, though it seems to be hidden and overshadowed, is actually the key thing. The key thing to life. Influencing and making possible all that is around it. 
we get the notion that instead of being a marginalized perspective, the kingdom of God is a primary reality. Mixed in, mixed into the whole of life, and in truth is unable to be set apart or separated out of life. Since, in truth, it is what gives life. And gives life this dynamic, forward-moving urge. Well, all right then, what do we want to make of, of these two parables? And I want to encourage you to hold on to two thoughts. One is that God's sovereignty is underlying, is within all that is. Whether we recognize it or not, whether others embrace it or not, whether our religious writings for 20 centuries talk about the sacred and the profane and seem to try to create a sense of dualism about life because that somehow seems to make sense to us. The truth of the matter is that God's kingdom is in it all and is with you when you're screwing up and when you're doing great. is there for us all the time. Influencing outcomes, if we let it, driving things forward positively in our life if we partner with it, as natural and basic to the whole of life, in truth, as is the air we breathe, and the water we drink. This is really a key affirmation of our faith that you want to hold on to as a religious person. And take confidence in the imminence of God to our lives. Trust it. Resolve to work with it. It is the ground of your being. It is always there. Out on the road, on your motorcycle, in your hospital bed, walk around the lake and you're cooking at the stove. Always there, supporting life, inspiring life. Trust in its presence. Second thing I want you to take home from this parable stuff is that God's sovereignty, God's 
power and rule of the world, this, this influencing that is imminent in all of life, God's sovereignty is not a passive thing, but a dynamic, growing thing. And it might appear like, well, like something overwhelmed or something dwarfed by the way of the world. We felt that way during the pandemic many, many times, and we feel that way when we sense that that the, the values of love and justice are not being lived out. We, we get feeling sometimes that God's stuff is, is pushed to the side, that God's influence and values are, are marginalized. Sometimes we feel that way. And you know, these folk, 20 centuries ago, as the centurion moved through their streets, and if you look cross-eyed at them, you died. These folk who who thought they were pursuing a savior, these folk also felt like, whoa, now wait a second, really? Really, Jesus? Sometimes, even now, we feel overwhelmed and we feel that this kingdom that we believe in is dwarfed. But Jesus asks us to, to take heart and to have hope, and, and, and maybe we can get to that by looking back in history and seeing the progress that the kingdom of God has made in the varied societies over the centuries. Or maybe we can take heart in looking in our own life and, and, and looking at how we have progressed over time and how there have been moments in which that kingdom has blossomed inside of us and become a more than a less than. Through the parable, Jesus says to those who have ears to listen, take heart and have hope. For when the seed of God's sovereignty takes root in the fertileness of people's spiritual soil. It will sprout. It will grow. And it will become dominant. It will offer what is natural to it, a healing home. God's grace is not passive. It is a driving force for well-being and for progress. And it will have its way. Like that plant sprouting into life in the crack of the pavement. It will have its way. Life will prevail. Goodness and grace and love will prevail. So look around you. Look around you. Look at your life. Look at your world. 
And because of your faith, be people of trust and people of hope in the ways and the purposes of God that will help bring forward in our own private experiences and in our collective experiences the peaceable kingdom and the beloved community. Amen. God's presence in our hearts, in our lives, building the peaceable community for us personally and for the larger collective community. We have a God who is active and present in our lives that wants us to grow and to invite others to grow with us, to share the ways in which our lives have been leavened and have been made more by that sovereignty that we've experienced. We have the opportunity to give our gifts to allow us to continue to do that work of adding the yeast to our community to allow God's grace to grow and the kingdom of peace to be built here on earth. We receive the gift of music. With you, let us lift up our hearts and give thanks to the Lord our God. Blessed are you, God of our Lord Jesus Christ. By your great mercy, we have been born anew to a living hope through the resurrection of your Son.
from the dead into an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Once we were no people, but now we are your people, declaring your wonderful deeds in Christ, who called us out of darkness into his marvelous light. You alone are God. You created us from the void, light from darkness, and life from the dust of the earth. Even when we turned away from your goodness, your mercy has not turned aside. You brought us out of slavery, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and set before us the way of life. You love the world so much, you gave your only Son, Jesus Christ, that the world might be saved through him. Your Spirit anointed him to bring good news to the poor, release to the captives, sight to the blind, and freedom to all who would be oppressed. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, ate with sinners, and won for you a new people by water and the Spirit. By the baptism of his death and resurrection, you gave birth to the church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant. At Christ's ascension, you exalted him to sit at your right hand, where according to his promise, he is with us always, baptizing us with the Holy Spirit. Therefore, with your people of all ages and the whole company of heaven, we join in the song of unending praise, saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Truly holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. On the night in which he offered himself up for us, he took the bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, and offered it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, and offered it to all of his disciples, saying, Drink from this, all of you. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. On the day you raised him from the dead, he was recognized by his disciples in the breaking of the bread and in the power of your Holy Spirit. Your church has continued in the breaking of the bread and the sharing of the cup. Send your Holy Spirit on us gathered here in this place and these gifts that in the breaking of the bread and in the drinking of the cup, we may know the presence of the living Christ, be renewed as his body and transformed into his likeness, faithfully serving him in the world and looking forward to his coming and final victory through him, with him, in him, in unity with the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty God, now and forevermore. Amen.
trust this service has been a blessing to you. Place your hope and ground your trust in God. For indeed, God is moving in our lives and through our history to bring forward the peaceable kingdom and the beloved community, sustaining and enriching each one of our lives with grace and with love. Count on it. Let God's grace in your life not be in vain. Be safe. Stay healthy. Know that you are loved. Amen.